0: I needed to not skate by for once in my life, and they didn't let me. At the end of the day, if you know that you don't feel good about the job, you got to be able to leave that behind. They just kept asking me to come back, and I truly love Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin. It's always great to be on WTMJ. This is WTMJ Conversations.
1: Welcome to WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Dr. Eve Hall, CEO of the Greater Milwaukee Urban League, has been recognized by the Milwaukee Business Journal as a woman of influence. She was also named one of 16 business executives to watch and twice as a power broker. She's also been recognized as Woman Executive of the Year by the Milwaukee Biz Times. And that's just a few of the accolades she's received in the past decade. Today's conversation is with Dr. Eve Hall. And it all started right here in Milwaukee. It did. Born
0: and raised here. This is, this is my city. But what is always so interesting is we have no family here. My parents were from two different places. My father from Florida and my mother from Michigan. So all of my childhood was spent going back and forth to those two places to visit my cousins and my other relatives.
1: Now, did you have siblings?
0: I am the only child.
1: So that that was an interesting upbringing. Yes. You were kind of isolated then with just your mom and dad.
0: Yes. I mean, now, I had wonderful friends, don't get me wrong. I've always been very sociable, and so I've always had friends. I've always been involved in different community groups and youth groups growing up, so I was very active. But, you know, the summer holidays, those were really special for me because I knew that was when we would be connecting with my beloved family, you know, with my cousins, with my grandparents, with my aunts, with my uncles, and family has always been very important to me.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you said you're an only child, because my son is an only child as well. Ah. And it seems like kids that don't have siblings, they're a little bit more
0: mature. Well, I think we tend, Libby, to be very independent, number one. We're used to being on our own. You know, we have our friends, we have our relatives, but at the end of the day, it's just us, right? The me, myself, and I. And And so our personalities are interesting because, for instance, I have no problem going to the restaurant, going to stores, even going to the movies, places like that by myself. I do not have to wait for anyone. I don't have to wait for my significant other. If he wants to go, I can just go and be very comfortable. And I will have friends who will say... God, you go by yourself. But I think, again, when you grow up, especially as an only child, and that's what I find with friends who are only children, we have those tendencies to just do what we need to do and we don't worry about whether someone's there or not.
1: Your parents must have had quite an influence on you,
0: though. They did. I love my parents. I feel so blessed. My mother is now 92. She just turned 92, August 25th. And she was literally tutoring children at an elementary school twice a week up until she was age 88, which is when COVID hit. That is the only reason she stopped. She stopped driving, but then had a driver. I actually got a driver for her. And her understanding of her purpose in life is very clear, that it was about helping children. Even when she had an opportunity to work down at central office because she did work before Milwaukee Public Schools, she said no because she believed that her place was in the classroom. With her children. And to the point that she has influenced and helped so many children read, she was a reading teacher that the library is now named after her at George Washington Carver Elementary School. So watching her commitment and her tenacity, always did have an influence. I mean, you really don't realize it until you're older, but subconsciously it did. My father, he was actually a chemist. He was from Florida. He was Mr. Personality. So he got along with everyone from the person who is homeless or needy to an executive in a corporation. And he just always believed that you always respect and appreciate people no matter where they are in life.
1: What a great background that you had. And I bet you learned to read at a very young age with your mother being a reading teacher. The library
0: was one of my other best friends. So I was always at the library and I was one of those who would get, you know, four or five, six books and go through the books. And I love to Remember the read. summer
1: reading program? I love
0: to read, yes. Yeah. But I had a summer reading program all the time in my house because my mother <laughs> was a around. reading teacher, right? But, you know, it helped me in terms of, first of all, just reading, writing. You don't, once again, realize those childhood experiences and the impact that they have. And I believe that all the reading that I did, and then my mother had me write letters and she would not always correct them. She was one of those who made you go to the encyclopedia to look things up and sometimes I would get irritated because I thought well you're a teacher you should be helping me but I guess she said you are going to learn on your own so once again that was good but of course there were times I had the attitude just thinking because she was my mother she was a teacher she should be helping me and not making me do these things.
1: Coming up on WTMJ Conversations...
0: I learned about an opportunity at the Urban League.
1: They were looking for
0: an education projects coordinator. I literally talked to the person who said, I would love to hire you.
1: Dr. Eve Hall, the current president and CEO of the Urban League, talks about the first time she worked for them a number of years ago. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with Dr. Eve Hall, the CEO and President of the Greater Milwaukee Urban League. Let's find out why she left Wisconsin to go to college. Florida A&M
0: University, which is where I went to undergrad in Tallahassee, Florida, was a legacy school. My father went to that school. My cousin was there at the time. Um, my other relatives, uncles and aunts, went to that school. And as I was growing up and learning about Florida and m University, that just became a place that I knew I wanted to go. I wanted to be away from Wisconsin. I learned a lot about my own culture. Um, you know, oftentimes African American history is not taught in depth. In our community, we learned a lot from our families. And I was one of those who learned so much from especially my father um, about our culture, about Florida, about the history of our schools. And so I wanted to be a part of that during my college. Years and the weather couldn't have hurt either. Oh, the weather was great, <laughs> but that culture experience—that is really what I was looking for. And again, that was a connection to my dad, and that meant a lot to what me. What
1: was your initial plan when you went to school, as far as a career?
0: You know, Libby, I am one of these people who was not sure. I ended up with a liberal arts degree, basically educational psychology, certification in learning disabilities. I was always, once again, involved in different activities on campus. And I remember creating some workshops, Life After Graduation, Are You Ready? And I created these workshops when I was the queen for our university, just as something that I like to do. When I graduated, I knew that there was this mixture of education, business, and PR, but I didn't know what that looked like. And as much as I love my school, they didn't quite know how to help me either. So I ended up going into education. And honestly, after I interned for a semester, I knew I did not want to do that right away because I did not like being confined And that's what I learned. I need to be in a situation where I can move around, but not just be in one building or one room all day long.
1: What brought you back to Wisconsin? I eventually
0: came back after being in Tampa, Florida for a while, married, divorced, worked a number of different roles. It was actually after I'd gone back into the classroom. I was a learning disabilities teacher. But what I knew, Libby, is that I would teach for three years and then I wanted to direct programs. Because when I was teaching, I was always the person over career day, or I was coming up with ideas on, you know, how you engage parents. And then during the summer, I was never one of those people that took the summer off. I would actually create summer programs and partner with churches or other organizations during the summer. So there was that other part of me. I don't know if that is the entrepreneurial or consultancy side, but I didn't stay still. I was at this crossroad of three years coming up. I'd gone home and I learned about an opportunity at the Urban League, which at that time was on 28th and Wright. They were looking for an education projects coordinator to oversee their education programs. And They wanted to know, would I would home for this break? Could I accept the job? I mean, I literally talked to the person who was impressed with me and said, I would love to hire you. Fast forward, I ended up coming back to Milwaukee. My goal initially was I would come back to Milwaukee for a while, and then I wanted to go out east. But once I came back to Milwaukee... I started working for the Urban League, not knowing that it was really preparing me to one day be the CEO. And I actually trained under the first female executive of the Urban League during that time and a female deputy executive director, because at that time it was executive director, it wasn't president, CEO, and oversaw their education programs. It was the GED program. We had an after-school program and literally had an alternative high school in that building. And so that really started me on my road to various um, experience during my career, which I've been blessed to have. Because I have to say, every experience that I've had, I have thoroughly enjoyed. And, you know, in all due respect, God is, you know, that's my spirituality. And I'm real clear on when he wants me to move. And he directs kind of those steps. And so what I've learned to do is I do the very best that I can wherever I am. Um, I don't really sit and have this plan. The only plan I ever had was when I said I want to direct programs at some point and I want to influence as many people as possible as possible in a positive way. Coming up on
1: WTMJ Conversations...
0: I received a call from the governor's office. They had an opening, and my name had been tossed around as someone that should be talked to.
1: Dr. Eve Hall, the president and CEO of the Greater Milwaukee Urban League, talks about working for Governor Tommy Thompson. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Let's return to our conversation with Dr. Eve Hall from the Urban League. For a short time, you worked for Governor Tommy Thompson I did. as well. I did. How did that come about? I did. So that one,
0: I had been working for Milwaukee Public Schools as the school to work administrator. Dr. Howard Fuller actually hired me. And that was exciting. It was a new initiative, and it was actually a national initiative. It was the School to Work Opportunities Act at that time during the 90s. And Milwaukee Public Schools through the state had received funding for their programming and for their apprenticeship programs. Well, that was huge for Governor Thompson at that time. So I didn't know him. But what would happen is there were times when he would come into the city, have tours, and I would be the one responsible to help, or I would meet him and whoever was touring to see our different school to work programs and so there came a point in time um, where I had been at MPS for four years there wasn't as much emphasis on the whole school to work initiative, which was huge. We actually became a national model. So it was disappointing that, you know, it was not carried on and and supported as it should have been. So during that time, I received a call from the governor's office who, and it was interesting, they were concerned about what was happening with our school to work initiative. But then they had an opening in the governor's office. And my name had been tossed around as someone that should be talked to about that role. And I never thought about, first of all, working in governor's office. I'd never really been politically active. You know, I've always been one of those who's ever the best person. And so this was literally a new, new experience that I never ex- expected. But it was a great one because during that time, um, there was just a lot of camaraderie there was a lot of collaboration um, quite frankly across the aisle there was a collaboration in this community that was very very different and I was able to um, you know represent him on a number of issues and what I've learned is um, especially when you're working in Politics, because in a sense, that's what it was, um, is that if you can, just like a marriage, if you can agree to respect and agree on most things and agree to disagree on some things, because that's life, right? Um You you can be okay. And we had a very good relationship in being very candid about different issues and what needed to happen. And I had a great team that I had as my own team out of the Milwaukee office. So So
1: what did you decide to do next?
0: At that point, interestingly, um, Governor Thompson went on to D.C. At the same time, though, um, Thurgood Marshall College Fund was looking at opening a regional office here. Thurgood Marshall College Fund is a scholarship organization involving uh, historically black colleges and universities. And at that time, Miller Brewing Company, before it became Miller Coors, the executive vice president of Miller Brewing Company, was the board chair for Thurgood Marshall College Fund. He knew of my work. And as they were deciding where the first regional office would be located, they decided it would be in Milwaukee because of the support from Miller Brewing Company, which was one of the founders of Thurgood Marshall College Fund. The fund was located in New York at the time, but there was no literal presence here. So there were a group of business and philanthropists that came together, including the Bader Foundation. Um, They asked me if I would be interested in opening their first regional office.
1: That and, had to be really rewarding. Oh, my God. you had gone to yes, a, a historically yes, black yes, college.
0: Yes, when I say a rewarding experience for those 10 years, it was phenomenal um, to be able to go visit other uh, historically black college campuses around this country, learning just again the deeper history of how important they have been along the road, um, meeting college presidents and professors and and students who really had a sense of belonging on these campuses and watching them every year when we would bring up to 500 students to New York for a weekend. And during that weekend, they would actually have career development sessions with our corporate business leaders who were part of the Thurgood Marshall College Board. And some of those would result in internships. But these students would be, um, they would, it was competitive, and they would be selected from their campuses to spend three and four days in New York. They had a chance to have different cultural experiences in New York. Then we had our huge dinner when they were presented. And, you know, I just have to tell you, knowing that I could help influence. And then we were raising money for scholarships for students who were from this area going to the colleges, um, but still encouraging them to think about coming back you know to the city but again it was just that culture it was education um, I had a chance to galvanize this community with our annual luncheons at the Italian Community Center and we would give the Thurgood Marshall bust to leaders in this community who were making a difference so that experience for 10 years which included two, two, two and a half years in D.C. was wonderful because I actually moved to D.C. Um, working for Thurgood Marshall when they were opening their advocacy office uh, in D.C. So I had a chance to be a part of building the presence in D.C.
1: Yet you returned to
0: Milwaukee. I did. I did not want to do that. I have to be honest. Being out in D.C. was twofold while it was great, you know, still working for Thurgood Marshall, what was really special is that my family was out there. I had my cousins, my first cousins that lived in D.C., in Virginia, in Maryland. So that meant I did not have to get on a plane to see them. I could see them anytime I wanted to. When the holidays came around, you know, my mother would fly out and other friends or, you know, cousins would fly. But I was right there with my relatives. And that is what was so special. And I had um, a group of friends that I had met over the years. So that time in D.C., while it was great in terms of my career and just, you know, having that experience. Plus
1: in college, you always wanted to live on the East Coast. I did. I
0: did. And finally, I got the opportunity to do so, even though it was short-lived. And the other interesting thing about this is I had an aunt um, who was like another mother to me because every summer I was in D.C. and she was actually a school teacher and she had two children you know, a uh, boy, girl and so we were like brothers and sisters. So every summer we were like excited, you know, being together traveling down to North Carolina, Florida what have you. But anyway, she ended up sick and she actually had dementia but she knew that I had moved to D.C., which is what she had always wanted me to do. While I was there, Libby, she passed away. Now, that hurt, but I'm so glad I was there because I could help my cousins, um, my uncle, because we were all close. So I knew I was supposed to be there.
1: But it goes back to what you said, that God's always kind of led you to be where you needed to be. Yes,
0: yes. Because I remember when my aunt passed away, I was on my way to a Thurgood Marshall event because it was during the workday. And my cousin lived in Chesapeake, Virginia, which is about three hours away, right? And she calls me and she's like, Evie Pie. So that was our names. We were like Evie, Bunny, Kenny, right? Mommy's gone. And I'm like, oh my God. So... And she's like, I can't get there. Can you go to the house? Can you go? You know, I mean, it was just, it was like a true sisterly moment. So my cousins were really more like sisters and brothers than cousins, right? So again, Libby, <laughs> I was there. So I was able to go to the house because my uncle and my cousin, he's a male. He, though, was really close to my mother. I love our men, but there was a need for a woman to be there at that time. And I was there. Go figure.
1: Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations. I said, well, Lord, I guess you can't speak to me any further.
0: I mean, I had not seen that picture. Libby. I don't even know the last time I saw that picture.
1: Dr. Eve Hall from the Urban League talks about the photo that brought her back to Milwaukee.
0: You're listening to WTMJ Conversations.
1: And I'm Libby Collins. Our guest today is Dr. Eve Hall, the president and CEO of the Greater Milwaukee Urban League. You did come back to Milwaukee. And was there a reason? Yes.
0: So I had been a vice president, a vice this for so many different organizations. And I knew I was coming to a point where I really wanted to run an organization. But I didn't quite know what that was always going to look like. Right. So I get a phone call from Milwaukee. The African-American Chamber of Commerce is looking for a president. And they needed someone who could revitalize the chamber because it had been, you know, it had kind of lost its relevancy, its credibility. It just had gone through a lot. And my name was the one. And at first it was, no, I didn't want to come back here. I was really happy out there. You know, and I felt like I'm finally on the East Coast, et cetera, et cetera. And so I fought it. I had my goddaughter's mother was calling me. Another best friend of mine was calling. You need to take this. Your name is written all over it. You can do this. I ended up actually having a conversation with the Bader Foundation, who was interested in supporting if I were to come back. I mean, there were just all these things. So I kept fighting. So let me tell you what was so interesting with this. So as I'm fighting it and I'm finally hitting these brick walls, which I know when that happens, that means the direction I'm trying to go in is not the direction I'm supposed to be going in. I'm supposed to be going another direction. So I finally pretty much say, all right. Let me do this. My mother really wasn't happy about this. This was was funny. Even though I had friends going, but your mother is here. I'm like, you don't understand my mother. My mother loved flying on the plane coming out here. Okay, so this is not about her. But anyway, Libby, I'm in this wonderful apartment in D.C., overlooks where you can see the monument, everything. I can see the fireworks, you know, just great. But I'm going through my storage and starting to clean things out. I run across a picture. When I was with the governor's office... I was helping the African-American Chamber of Commerce. I brought a gentleman who was the president of the African-American Chamber of Commerce in Philadelphia and the first black to be over their Convention and Visitors Bureau. I brought him to Milwaukee to speak to the Chamber and other business leaders. There was this picture of the event at the U-Club with me there, but also the people who were talking to me about coming back home to run the chamber. Jim Milner, Randy Crump and in those pictures, and some other individuals. And it was the Bader Foundation that hosted that event. So I said, well, Lord, I guess you can't speak to me any further. I mean, I had not seen that picture. Libby. I don't even know the last time I saw that picture, because that was during the time I worked for Tommy Thompson, which was like 98 to 2000, 2001.
1: It was a sign. There's no question about
0: that. Right right. And it was great. I mean, I came back, worked really hard. I had this beautiful reception. Jim and Randy just welcomed me. I mean, it felt like half the city was there welcoming me. There were all these speakers just saying, welcome back home. And I was able to revitalize the chamber with the board. It was not just me. It was the board. It was business leaders who really wanted to see this work. It was a great team that I was able to hire. And so really all of us together were able to revitalize the African-American chamber. I moved it from its location on Capitol. We were in the Zilber Building on Wisconsin Avenue. And now, you know, Nikki is over it. And now they have an office on MLK, which was supported through Chris Abley. Just being able to be a part of revitalizing, getting it back on its feet, starting its first annual um fundraiser which is now the Breakfast of Champions which has gone to new heights they didn't have a fundraiser so I created the Breakfast of Champions with Athena Communications um you know so knowing that I was a part of all of that and understanding entrepreneurs because I had never really had that experience. i would worked with business before, but not with entrepreneurs. So I gained a new respect for entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs of color, understanding our history as entrepreneurs, because oftentimes if we could not get jobs, we had to create our own jobs. Or if we were working in corporate America or wherever and kind of hit that glass ceiling, then we had to make decisions, you know. And those decisions to start businesses are not easy. But um, they represent a key to our economy because when our small businesses and medium-sized businesses are successful, they hire people. And really, that's most of the economy, our small and medium-sized businesses.
1: Coming up on WTMJ Conversations...
0: We were one of the first... Group of Urban Leagues being founded around the country.
1: Dr. Eve Hall talks about the 100-plus year history of the Urban League in Greater Milwaukee.
0: You're listening to WTMJ Conversations.
1: Welcome back to our conversation with Dr. Eve Hall. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Once you brought the African-American Chamber of Commerce back to life, like you said, you gave it a lot of energy. The Urban League came along, and here you are today
0: never expected to be at the Urban League. And, you know, I have to give no offense Roy a shout out because he was the board chair at the time. He was very clear about, we really would like you to interview for this role. And I did not feel that it was time for me to leave the chamber. There was still so much more to do. And once again, through a few mentors that I had, you know, a lot of prayer, I ended up moving over to the Urban League is all I can tell you. What I learned is it was the time for me to move on. I had placed the urban, the chamber where it should be. Um, Ossie Kendricks came and took it to the next level. You know, I was able to start a revolving loan fund program there, too. So, you know, it, it was left in a good place. But I just didn't feel the Urban League was the place initially. But then when I spoke with the board and they were so open to new ideas and new ways of thinking and doing things. And then I finally had a piece about it. But it was hard because the chamber, that was a part of me. I had worked so hard at that chamber. I was very close to my board, very close to the people that I had worked with. And that was a tough decision.
1: But again all the experience you had through the years in education with the Milwaukee Public Schools, Governor Tommy Thompson's office, the Thurgood Marshall Scholarship Fund, the African American Chamber of Commerce, you've brought all of that to the Urban League and incorporated it in new programs.
0: That is what I realized, Libby, because it was a point when I kept wondering, what do I do with all of this? And the Urban League, because they focus on education, employment, Housing, health, entrepreneurship, social justice issues, community engagement, all of those areas I have touched upon or been involved in on some level throughout my career. And so I've been able to bring that to the table. And then also being a staff person at the Urban League at one point, you know, I know it from that level. But I also know it as a partner because when I talked about my work in Tampa, Florida as a teacher when I was a learning disabilities teacher during the summer when I would create these programs, one of the places that I would have the students go to was the Tampa Urban League. Now, I didn't really understand the significance of the Urban League. I just knew it was a very important and strong black organization in Tampa and that Our children needed to be connected to it, and they had different activities. In fact, I used to run their after-school program, the Tampa Urban League's after-school program, as a teacher. When I would finish teaching, I would oversee their homework centers, and I recruited the teachers from Tampa public schools to help at those homework centers with kids. So there's been a connect, not knowing one day that I would be in this role.
1: But again... It goes back to, as you said, your spirituality, God leading you to where you need to be Mm -hmm. at any given time. Yes. The Urban League. Why is it so important for this community?
0: The Urban League's history dates back to 1919 in this city, 1910 nationally, because it was founded in New York. But we were one of the first group in the first 10 years of urban leagues being founded around the country. And why were we founded? It's so important. During that time, the Great Migration, which I think people are familiar with, five million billion African-Americans moving from the South to the North, to the East for a better way of life. When they came to Milwaukee, Milwaukee was an industrial city and there were jobs. The Urban League's role, was as an urban advocacy and social service agency that served as a liaison to the city fathers encouraging them to hire African Americans. We were the organization that provided employment and training for individuals to get into these jobs in Milwaukee. We, we partnered. Um, we helped with some of the social skills and graces and um, even some of the recreational activities were held at the Urban League because At that time, especially, we were limited to where we could go and where we could be. So the Urban League became also that place um, to deal with social issues, with political issues, socialization, all of those things. In fact, when it came to health, we actually helped create a community drugstore because there was lack of access um, to vaccinations, to medicine, so we helped with that development. Um, We were very strong in working along with housing when it came to, you know, the late Phillips or, you know, Father Grappi, I mean, the Urban League was connected to that. We've always been connected to promoting employment, but also economic stability. Education was huge for us in terms of GED programs, in terms of computer literacy, some of the things that we're doing now, um, partnering with schools around mentoring. You know, we've we've just been connected in every aspect of life for African-Americans, but also in terms of understanding the importance of collaboration across race, across gender, across religion in order to create a better Environment, a better landscape, a better community. And that is really the mindset, not only locally, but that's a national mindset.
1: Coming up on WTMJ Conversations...
0: She's actually one of the first women to start a college. Watching her life, she was a leader in politics, inspiring in terms of education.
1: Dr. Eve Hall from the Urban League has inspired many people. But who inspires her?
0: Now, more of WTMJ
1: Conversations. I'm Libby Collins. Today's conversation is with Dr. Eve Hall, the president and CEO of the Greater Milwaukee Urban League. Who inspires you? I look at
0: Mary McLeod Bethune. A lot of people don't know who she is. When I did my doctorate, I studied her life. She's actually one of the first women to start a college. Bethune-Cookman University now in Daytona Beach, Florida who started the National Council of Negro Women, who worked closely with Eleanor Roosevelt to make sure that African Americans could benefit from um, some of the kind of war relief during the Depression, some of the New Deal programs, making sure that we were involved. Watching her life, she was a leader in politics, inspiring in terms of education, because she started that school, first starting with girls, because she felt like young women just were not given the opportunity to really get the skills that they needed. Someone who also was a partner with an insurance company who bought beachfront property because blacks could not go on the beaches in Daytona Beach. So she partnered with some other African-American males to purchase Bethune Volusia Beach Resort. Just watching how she worked And she did fundraising. One of her first board chairs was John Gamble, the founder of Procter & Gamble. So she also knew how to work with business leaders to get what was needed for her community. Anyone who could make a difference during that time, even when the Klan surrounded the campus that she created, and still go forth, that was huge. I think about the past leaders of the Urban League, both on a national and local level, that served during a time when we were not necessarily welcomed at the table or where the efforts to level the playing field were not always receiving enthusiasm. So when you're in these roles, you're also taking a chance. You're taking a chance with people maybe wanting to harm you, maybe wanting to harm the organization. Once I really understood and learned the history of the Urban League in becoming the leader. I see it as an honor and a privilege because of what the organization has done and how we are still so relevant. We are in 36 states in the District of Columbia, and there are about 90, 92 of us around the country. There are still issues around disparity, as you know, and gaps. Now we're entering an unfortunate era of race relations that, you know, have a lot of tension, some political issues that have a lot of implications. And so our presence is very critical because we've been through these times in the past. My hope and my belief is, though, that despite some of the challenges that we're facing locally and nationally, that there are enough of us that are willing to come together to still push through the negativity or just push through the barriers that still exist.
1: Dr. Eve Hall, President and CEO of the Greater Milwaukee Urban League. Thank you so much. Thank you. We've been talking with Dr. Eve Hall, the President and CEO of the Greater Milwaukee Urban League. What a journey she had growing up here in Milwaukee, going to a school in Florida, ending up in Washington, D.C., and because of a photograph, coming back to Milwaukee. Now, if you joined us late, and you want to hear our entire conversation with Dr. Hall, go to WTMJ.com and share today's show with your friends and family. You'll also find a partial transcript courtesy of eCourt Reporters. For WTMJ Conversations, I'm Libby Collins.